Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders, leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering in a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect, and grow with us. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. We have a slightly different, well, a very different model to most other places um, because we provide breakfast and we provide dinner. So we provide, we try and make it like a home um, and that's one of the things that um, that stems from when the church actually started it because they were very community-minded and very much about relating to other people. Welcome back to Humans of Purpose and it is great to be back with you here as always. Well, those are the wise words of Amanda Donohoe, who is the CEO at Servants Community Housing. Servants have just been doing an amazing job at providing and operating affordable accommodation and safe housing for those on low incomes for over a quarter of a century. I felt very privileged that Amanda um, agreed to come on the podcast. She's not somebody who does media regularly, but I was very touched by sitting down with some of the residents of community Servants Community Housing a few weeks ago for a dinner and talk by Amanda and some of the residents and felt really touched to the point of needing to reach out and um, make this conversation happen to really share some of those stories. A quick thank you and shout out to Assemble, who have been our wonderful sponsors for the past eight weeks. Assemble have another new community housing project coming soon to 15 Thompson Street, Kensington. At Assemble, you can live in your home and experience the community before choosing to buy. You'll have five years during the lease to save with the help of Assemble's financial coaching and bulk buying initiatives to reduce the cost of your living. Head to assemblecommunities.com to learn more and there's a link in the show notes. Before we kick off, a special thank you and shout out to our wonderful Patreon supporters, McCartan, Joel F, Stuart M, Misha D times two, and new Patreon, Bonnie B. Uh, without you guys, we really couldn't put on the podcast every week, and you do get some amazing bonus content for being a Patreon supporter. So if you want to get behind me, get behind the show, get behind the newsletter and everything we do here at Humans of Purpose, just click the link in the show notes or head to patreon.com slash humans of purpose. So Amanda, wonderful to have you here. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. I must admit I didn't think I'd be ever doing a podcast, but there, <laughs> I, here I am. I'm so glad I could twist your arm and convince yeah. you. I feel like uh, it was a decent effort, but um, ever since I saw you speak at our Williamson um, program night recently at Servant's House, I just thought um, this is an amazing person and an amazing organisation and really wanted to um, hear your story, but also share your story. So I uh, thank you for coming on. Mm, thank you. Um, why don't we start and take me far back as you'd like to go a bit into your journey and your your world and um, bring us all a bit up to speed with um, and what you've experienced and how you felt about what you've experienced. Um, the journey with servants began um, in the late 80s because um, we were part of the church that started Hawthorne. Um, we were part of Hawthorne West Baptist Church and that was the church that started Servants Community Housing. Um, and we, um, and when I say we, was my husband and I, and at the time we had two children, um, two very young children, so, you know, four and two I think they were. Um, and we were really looking to do something radical, I guess, um, something that meant something, Um at the time, although we had been with Hawthorne West Baptist Church, we were living in Portland. Um, my husband was an environmental health officer. He was um, um, feeling like his work didn't matter that much. Um, and I remember him coming home one day just being completely frustrated because he had had a complaint about dog poo on the nature strip <laughs> and just saying to me, I just can't do this anymore. Um, this is not what I trained for. It's the um, height of mundaneness uh, yeah, dealing with dog poo yep, issues. Yep. Um, and we, not long after that, had a phone call from someone back at Hawthorne West Baptist Church telling us about this boarding house that they were now running. Um, and, you know, would we consider moving back to Melbourne um, to move into this place to be um, the on-site managers. And 
uh, I guess it was like, oh, wow, this this is what we've been talking about um, and thinking about for a really long time. Um, so you discussed the sort of desire for some change yeah, before that? Yeah, we didn't know what it looked like, but we just knew it wasn't um, a house and two kids and a dog and um, a job. Um, we knew it, yeah, we were – that's what we knew it wasn't. Um so we said yes, even though we actually hadn't seen the place um, and we moved, I just remember, you know, driving into the driveway and you have to see the house to believe it. It is um, an 1850s gold rush mansion and it is just glorious. Um, it's so beautiful, um, the front anyway, um, and even the flat that we were living in because we lived, um, the, the house managers lived on site um, the mansion was divided into nine flats. We had one. Um, I had visions of, you know, dark green, slimy walls and um, I guess, you know, one flew out of the cuckoo's nest, hadn't long been released at that time and I had – that was the um, – Is that what you thought a boarding house well, would be like? Well, no, I didn't actually think that's what the boarding house would be like but when the first day that I walked in and saw that lounge room and saw the people there – that's what my memory flicked to. I thought, my gosh, what have we said yes to? I can't believe this. <laughs> um, but that was the down day um, and it just went up from there. It was um, it, it was just an incredible time um, of living, breathing with people that um, had had so much pain um, in their life, so much loneliness, um, addiction, um, mental health, and there we are trying to do something about it um, and feeling pretty helpless most of the time. Yeah. And how do you go about doing something about that in its most basic form? You, you provide, is it community housing or social housing? Yeah, well, um, it. It's called community housing now, um, and that particular place is owned by um, the director of housing, so the state government. Um, we have a slightly different, well, a very different model to most other places um, because we provide breakfast and we provide dinner. So we provide, we try and make it like a home, um, and that's one of the things that. Um, it stems from when the church actually started it because they were very community-minded and very much about relating to other people. Um, and a lot of the um, practices that they put in, including having these dinners um, and having meals together, was just seen as normal, um, a normal way of relating to each other and as something that was important to include in the model. Um, and that that stage, we've um, stuck with that model the whole way through and it helps people to connect to each other. Um, even so, um, you know, I said that there were nine flats in the mansion. Out the back um, built on is 29 um, very small rooms. They've got um, a shared bathroom. They have to walk out of their room to go to the bathroom. They have to leave their room to go and sit um, for their kitchen and the lounge room. Um, but it gets people out of their room and connecting with other people and that's seen as um, just a really important part of life and um, helping people, um, I guess, to try and shift out of some of that depression that a lot of them are feeling um, and all the other, um, you know, myriad of issues that they've all got. And so is that a bit different to the model um, that a lot of other places were doing at the time that was just you provide a roof over the head and that's it? Yeah. Um, boarding houses, particularly in that whole area, have were very common, but then they started um, to close and were sold um, developers took over the property. I think laws changed. You know, the whole idea of providing meals, um, you need to have council approval for kitchens and I think it just got too hard for the general um, um, run-of-the-mill boarding houses. And so as they closed down and gentrification took over, all these people were um, 
were losing the place that they lived. That was partly why the church got involved because they saw it as a justice issue. They thought, you know, these people are going to be homeless, you know, we should step in. Um, you know, Servants Now is an independent entity, so Servants Community Housing doesn't have anything particularly to do with the We rent space in their church building, but um, we're a separate organisation. Um, but as those values that started, um, that came from the church, are still very, very strong in the organisation. Yeah. So creating that space and sense of community and I suppose a, a space for positive collision where people can bump into each other and have that conversation and um, plan to see each other at mealtime um, is a core part of that social fabric building. Yeah, um, and I mean, some people don't want to, to come and have meals. They... Um, they would much prefer to stay in their room 24-7 and have um, nothing to do with anybody. Um, and I don't know what you think, but I don't think that's a really good way to live for I'm anybody. With you, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so by having people have to come out and, and get their meal, um, they might not speak to anybody else, but generally, you know, the, we have a cook that comes in every night, three o'clock, they cook a meal and they serve it to them. And they say, hello, how are you? Um, that might be the only contact that that person has through the day. Mm. Um, but at least we have human contact. We cite them. Um, you know, if they don't come to dinner for a couple of nights, people are worried, people notice. Um, you know, we have had people that have died in their room um, and knowing the sort of, you know, the, the life that they've been living had they been in another rooming house or had they been in an independent accommodation somewhere else, um, you know, weeks and weeks could go by before that person um, was found, mm. you know, would have been, yeah. It's just the know. saddest thought, isn't it? Oh, and, and yeah, um, loneliness and isolation is huge. Um, it's such a huge issue. And um, I remember when we were back... Um, you know, back in the eighties, my husband had um, was present when someone was turned off the when the life support was turned off. There was no family, no one there. Um, I went to a funeral where um, I drove in, and it was at Springvale Cemetery, and I had to drive and drive and drive to to find the grave site, sort of at the back of the um, back of the cemetery, and I. I guess that's where they bury the paupers um turned up and I was the only person there and there was the two funeral bearers carrying the or working with the coffin and um someone there to to say some words um they had a little um, microphone and a speaker set up and and they had some music going um and they went through the whole ceremony and it was me being the only one um, in this, you know, basically this field, um, this graveyard, it was. Um, I mean, I was just so glad I didn't. I nearly didn't go, and I was just so glad that I'd gone um, because there's that you is know, just such a um, incredible thing to be that one person. Yes, you who know, was there. and I, be- I barely knew this man. Yeah. You know, he had um, he just for um, most of the time that he had been living with us, he had just sat and watched um, air crash investigation shows, you know, just over and over and over again. We'd sitting in the lounge room watching him and think, oh, what's going on um, with that guy, mm. you know, and mm. not really talking to anybody else and not developing relationships. But, um, you know, he was part of our community. Um, yeah, and that was that was sad, yeah. What, what draws you to this work? And um, obviously servants has played a huge part in your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. And um, I know that you're doing leadership, a leadership program um, with Leadership Victoria, and I did a similar one last year. Um, and I had to think a lot about, why, you know, why do I do what I do? Um, and why have I always done what I <laughs> Why do I even get into this sort of work? And um, I'm going to blame my mother uh, um, and the fact that she dragged me along to church every, every, you know, she dragged all my brothers and I along to church every Sunday. And, <laughs> you know, I think um, 
They didn't get as brainwashed about it all as what I did, but um, and I shouldn't say it's brainwashed. The social justice yeah. streaks remain. <laughs> it's just there, yeah. and I can't. You know, I have tried to get rid of it over you know the various parts of my life, and I've just decided that it is it is well and truly part of me, and it has shaped me, and I'm actually really grateful um, for for having the values that I've got. Like I I can appreciate them now, and I know that. Um, um, I don't have to think very hard about what I believe um, it, and what I need to do in certain situations and, um, you know, the turn the other cheek and, um, you know, love one another and care for one another and turn your swords into plowshares, you know, they're just um, that's who I am and so be it. <laughs> I sort of now, you know, stop fighting it and just embrace it so you um, sounds like you're listening to your heart a fair bit and your decision making in your gut um gut uh, yes yeah um all the time i think um and particularly when we're uh, interviewing residents to come in a lot of that is gut work um because um with us we're trying to build a community of people that um they may not want to care for each other, um, but we've got to have the right people in there because you've got, um, you know, one house has got 29 people, another house has got 28. If you get the wrong person in mm. there, it can destroy everybody. So um, you're in a way sort of a, a bit of a social curator. You've got to think very deeply about how different individuals might influence a, a group dynamic. Very much so, and I've, you know, the, um, I think the worst mistake I made, even after all the, the years of experience that I've had interviewing people, was um, Christmas before last, where somebody I interviewed them, and um, they had they just come out of jail, um, and they wanted to turn over a new leaf. And the guy was very large; um, he'd been in for armed robbery. Um, he and this was, you know, the, the real danger um, signal that I completely ignored um, was that he had um, repre- represented himself um, to the magistrate um, something like 17 times or something. Um, and so, I, you know, I knew that if we were going to um, house him and if it was going to turn into a problem, that he was going to be really, really difficult to remove, um, and that we would go through a prolonged VCAT process if we, if we um, got to that stage. Um, and he said, he said um, that he's he'd gone to help, gone to help um, get help from the Salvation Army or something, and they had said, "Oh, servants' community housing, they'll give you a chance." And I thought, you know, it just like rang true. I thought, yes, you know, we really, we do give people a chance and he's absolutely right and um, I really should give this guy a chance. And normally I, I let myself, I give myself 24 hours to think about it. I don't ever offer anyone a room on the spot. Um, but no, I broke every single rule that I've got <laughs> for myself and I let this guy in um, and within three weeks um, – we were having dramas with him. He was um, ranting and raving in his room for eight-hour periods. Um, the whole half of the house couldn't sleep. Mm. Um, we had one guy that had his post-traumatic stress disorder triggered um, and he left. Um, um, yeah, it was, you know, I had... The staff, the housekeepers that live on site were up constantly going to have to tell this guy to calm down. I had the neighbours, you know, at the back of our property calling me in the middle of the night. Um, We had police um, and he had every different excuse under the sun for the noise that he was making. Um, And he was obviously intimidating people. He was huge. Um, And it took us months and months to get him out Mm. and to get calm restored and get people back and get this guy that had left and was living on the streets mm. to get him back get him back into a safe place um so it's a you know whenever one of these events take place it's a, it's another reminder to um don't don't break the rules of you know that I've set 
in the way that we um, when we interview people and be very um, mindful of the fact that there's it's not me wanting you know not being the person that sure I want to give people a chance but if I give people a chance and it gets um, goes a wall then I've just upset you know 28 people and a lot of our people are you know I know that they're recovering drug and alcohol users and I'm not saying that we don't house people that have got drug and alcohol problems but we're housing people that are trying to change yep. and that's the really critical point that um, you start putting filling the house with um, users and um, and dealers then the whole place will just quickly turn into something that you end up reading about um, on the front page of the Herald Sun, you know, the the pathetic um, or the, the rooming houses where they're unsafe, you know, people um, are terrified, they've got their doors bashed in, they have their, prop, you know, um, their goods stolen. We, um, yeah, we just don't have those issues and that's the way that we want to keep it. Yeah. We want to keep people safe. Well, mm. having been inside your premises, I must say, um, we felt very safe at all times. We yeah. felt very welcome. Uh, we were welcomed into residents' uh, rooms um, and, you know, perfectly nice conversations and every everyone seemed to get along quite well. Mm. When you do bring new people in, are you thinking about culture fit? Are you thinking about there are certain values we want to see? I mean, what, what do you look for that would rule someone in or out? Um, primarily it um, it's about someone's um, need is would be that you know do they need our housing um, culture fit I'd love to be able to cherry pick and um, just have um, think well you know they'll be really they'll be very jovial they'll add a lot of light to the house um, or someone that um, you know, very clean, or they'll be, you know, clean, you know, because we do have some residents that clean up and they're awesome, you know. <laughs> um, but you can't. Um, what I, what we're looking for, although, you know, ideally I'd love them, um, you just, some, some of it ends up just being luck and you can't necessarily choose um, the people that are going to end up being um, the leaders of the house. Um, there's one guy that we've, God, at the moment, I remember when he came, he spent the year walking around like a zombie, literally. I mean, it was, you know, and um, he won't mind me saying this at all. He tells his story um, that he just needed, he just wanted to bury himself under the doona um, and he did that for a year and then his um, caseworker put him onto some music therapy and that was something that just um, ended up bringing him alive um, and he um, appreciates it appreciates our place for being this safe, secure place um, that sort of caught him before he dropped completely. Um, and then he started to want to give back. Uh, he started talking, so he'd barely talked, you know, he would look down um certainly barely acknowledged that anybody else existed um but he started to run art um groups um meditation groups at the house and recently we um nominated him for a tenant led initiative award um which he won um and he he's just ecstatic you know he just looks back and says where was i you know 6 years ago mm. I was a shell and now I'm out there giving back. Um, he is flying high and, you know, he's one of the the key um, carers and leaders within that group of people and you couldn't have picked it when you mm. when we first brought him in. Yeah. And I think you do have a lot of stories of human flourishing mm. um, and I think, you know, hearing from some of your residents um, at the night that we shared, I was amazed because I just thought, Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, who is the typical client or resident here? But then you look at the array of people that are in front of you and they all look and present totally different, mm. but they all have such an interesting story of change. Um, you're, you're spot on and it's what makes life there um, so interesting and 
and um, riveting really, you know, sharing, living, breathing life with these people that they're ups and downs and for so many of them there's some really bleak days. Um, so we we tend to celebrate any little good thing. Yeah, and I think um, also just want to recognise and talk a bit about the people who work um, at at um, where you are because I just think having met one or two people there in particular, um, just an amazing people who do so much. And I'm thinking in particular, I'm not sure if it would be okay to say his name. Yep. So Ben, who hosted us um, at the night, at, um, which house was that? Was Hamer Court? Hamer Court. Mm-hmm. What an incredible guy. So this guy, I thought, I made the mistake of thinking, here's a guy who just drops in and is there at night occasionally, lives on premises and is also studying chemical engineering during the day and, you know, goes to work, comes back and does all that he does um, after sort of facing his own setbacks. Um, And then, you know, um, the other fellow, the the slightly older fellow, was it? um, Martin. Martin, Mm -hmm. just... Just the most incredible people. Yeah. And then, then you yeah. kind of understand a bit maybe why it all works so well and the way it does. Yeah, I think um, I don't really manage <laughs> the staff because um, I don't have to. You know, they're just so motivated um, themselves to care for the people that they're living with um, and they want the best for the people that they're that are in the house. Um Ben, for instance, started with us um, as a cook when he was, I don't know, most probably 17, 18, um, and he just loves it um, and they love him and he just um, gives of himself um, and I, they all do. They're all remarkable. They've just, I mean, the name servants, I think, you know, all of our housekeepers have a servant heart Um we're not slaves, so we certainly, you know, I won't not running around wiping people's bottoms. Um, you know, we're trying to empower people. Yeah. Um, we're trying to help them to grow and to flourish. And the people that are, you know, our housekeepers, they've got compassion and they've got commitment. And it's it's an interesting um, dynamic now with the way that we work. It's so much you know, client, um, client-based um, staff. You don't don't take your work home with you. Um, you know, you, you've got to be sort of be removed. And it's almost like I mean, people care, but then they switch off. Where our model, you can't switch off mm. because mm. you're there mm. with them. And if there's a fire alarm going off, if there's someone psychotic, if someone's crawling. Um, down the hallway because they've overdosed. Um, you know, the people, the staff are there twenty. Well, they're not there twenty four seven. We don't promise a twenty four seven service. Um, but at night time, we say that there will be someone there, and it's the same person. So it's not shift work. Mm. Um, you know, they every we get we get to know our residents, and the residents get to know us, and it's a real blurring um, of work life balance. Yeah. yeah, very very murky. Um, and I know a lot of well, I've had criticism from other um, other organisations and even my friends. You know, like, what are you doing that for? You know, when do you switch off? When do you get time to yourself? <laughs> um, but to not do it means that these people don't um, don't feel that care. Mm. Um, so. You know, despite the fact I recognise exactly what they're saying, and um, I, you know, we try very hard to manage staff um, morale, which, and it's not it's not normally a hard thing to do. It's yeah. a hard thing when bad things happen. You know, when someone when someone passes away, dies, particularly if it's not not in a good way. Um, you know, staff morale, that's that's when it drops. It um, doesn't drop because we're fighting with each other, mm. you know. It, it, um, it's, a, it's a very unique living, breathing environment that um, staff and residents are all in this together. Yeah. And so 
talk to me a bit about the community and working within the local community. How have you been embraced in your model and um, what's it like partnering with other organisations and um, do you feel a groundswell of support? Do you wish there was more support? Um, we've got great relationships with lots of the churches in the area, with uh, rotary groups in the area, um, from time to time the schools. Um, so we have... Xavier come out on a Friday afternoon and a um, small group of uh, students come and play games with some of the residents. Um, we've got church groups that come and do barbecues. Um, I feel that once people visit, as you did, um, a light goes on mm. and people just get it. They, mm. just, they, um, they just understand that there's, there is a... Um, a community going of good stuff that's going on here um people that are hurting but people that are being cared for um our neighbors uh, are most of the time um really really supportive it's you know people tend to think oh what are your neighbors like in you know Hawthorne but um they get it too they see the people walking up and down the street um and they they feel they feel compassion for them as well. Um, you can you can see that life's um, is a struggle, and I think that they just think, well, wow, could be me. And so it sounds like there are at least a few, or one in particular, politician has really jumped on board and sort of said, "This this is important to me. This is my community," um, and really, that's um, Josh Frydenberg has been a big supporter. Mm. Uh, what's that been like to sort of have a, a champion who's sort of taken on the cause, and um, how's that sort of changed the journey? Yeah, that's been an interesting one because uh, Josh knocked at the door when I was. Um, housekeeper at Caracal um, uh, in my second stint at Caracal um, about oh, back in 2010, I think it was, um, and he hadn't even been elected. He was just door knocking, introducing himself. Um, he came in and had a, had a cup of tea and I told him about the sort of people that we house and homelessness and um, and then he sort of yeah left and I googled googled this young man thought oh 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 he's pretty smart isn't he <laughs> um, and then it has just sent when he was elected he um, decided to make us his chosen charity for a Christmas appeal and. He put out an email to all his um, supporters and asking people to donate goods um, and gifts to. They brought and so all these people brought all this stuff to his office and filled up his office and then he had to um, load up the car um, and bring it around to one of our houses and then we distributed across all of our houses on Christmas Day. Was there a lot um, of stuff? A lot of stuff. Wow. Um, and that was – he's done that about seven years in a row now. So okay. it means that these people are getting um, gifts, which we were giving them a hamper. The Salvation Army was giving them a hamper, you know, with some chips and a can of Coke and some tin fruit and veggies and stuff like that. But, you know, these are um, odds and all different sorts of um, things that people have thought that our residents might like. And it just means that the ha- – you know, like – Every year they look forward to their hampers and for many of them, as I said, they don't have anybody else. So for us to be able to, through Josh Frydenberg's um, appeal and basically the residents of, of um, Kuyong, you know, they are getting a gift from people. So it might not be a relative but it's from people that care. Mm. Yeah. So it's been, um, it's been a good relationship. That's, yeah. that's beautiful. And what is the sort of need or your idea of the demand for what you're doing in the region? Like just say perfect world, um, how many times over would we need to replicate um, the model that you have um, servants to um, sort of, you know, to really tackle a lot of the problems that you're, you're tackling? That's a really hard question. Um, we have people ringing up um, you know, every day for rooms Um a lot of the people that come need a room now and we don't 
um, always have vacancies. Um, I don't know what happens to those people. Um, our model does seem to be a bit of a um, – fills a gap. It's a bit of a niche market that we're catering for because we're catering for people that many of them, um, particularly when they move in, they're not um, – they'd be hard-pressed to, to function properly in an independent living arrangement – um, but their their living skills are um, you know quite reasonable, and they don't really need to have fully supported accommodation. Um, there is this you know this gap that we're filling. Um, for us, it's it's would be great if we could actually have places that um, we could then um, shift people into, um, and then that would create more space to for us to take some of the people that you know, are ringing us up every day. Um, and, you know, for me as CEO, that would be my ultimate aim is to be able to have, um, you know, flats, particularly as flats that are all together so that we can still function as a community um, and relate to each other and keep people located in the area that they um, are used to living and where their friends and support services are, um, to have people be able to move to you know one as you said before when they flourish but it's where next because the housing situation in Victoria is dire and if you're on a pension um, if you're on a disability pension it's very hard to find something affordable close to the city if you're on new start um, it's impossible you know you have to share with someone you don't know who that is um, and it's scary and there's not a lot around and who is referring um, their clients into your service? Is it um, social workers, counsellors? Um, a real mix. We can um, often get parents somehow that hear about us, um, certainly caseworkers, um, psych hospitals, crisis centres. Um, I think they're the main, the main ones. Um, often word of mouth people hear about us, yeah. I want to change tack slightly mm. and just ask you a bit about what you've learned um, from doing what you do um, and just if you can talk to me about one or two things that you didn't know about human nature before that you've sort of discovered through um, your work at Servants. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, amazing how resilient people are. Um, I... I'm often um, staggered, I guess, when I look at some people's stories and think, really, you know, why, how are you even getting out of bed when um, when you look at what life has dealt, the cards that you've been dealt, um, what makes you, um, what makes you keep living? Um, and there's something that... Um, Something within people. There's a hope within people, um, and I guess that's what I've learned that people people tend not to give up, um, which is great because often there is if they don't give up, there's light, you know, and and life at further along. Um, and then the other thing that I've learned is how. Um, how much care can happen within a community when you um, when you feed it the right way? Um, as one resident said, um, he said, "Oh, servants makes people good." And I thought, "That's ridiculous." You know, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Um, and then when I thought about it, I thought, you know, he's he's actually. Um, He's spot on because if you – and he was talking about himself, you know, put him in a different environment and he was looking back mm. um, that he was he was a different person um, and suddenly put him in um, a place that supports him and having a culture around where, you know, doing the wrong things frowned upon. Um he he just yeah I, I just thought that was a really special thing and um, 
it it reinforced something I already knew that culture is really important um, and what having the right people around all of us helps us along our journey and um, if we can help people be good, <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing. That's, yeah. There's a beautiful simplicity yeah, in that. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Um, I wanted to ask you whether you'd like to share a story of one of your um, residents and just talk a bit about their journey. Wow. Um, we met some tremendous um, people yeah. that, that evening and I just thought there was a few of them that just really um, were – Amazing, and I just think to give a real flavour of what what these people have been through. And yeah, oh, because everyone's different. Did you have one in mind? Phil, maybe. Oh, okay. Um, or well, the other one. There was a yeah. um, the lady who spoke oh, as well. Was, so that's. Um, I've yeah. just forgotten her name. Una, Una. Yeah, and she wouldn't mind me talking sure. about her as well. Um, and that that's a. Um, that's an interesting story because for so many of us, you think, oh, I couldn't, you know, homelessness couldn't happen to me. But um, in her situation, she um, had separated. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll make it shorter, but um, because it's, you know, she's got a long, long story. But separation, she became unwell with cancer. Um, and then suddenly found that she wasn't um she didn't have a home anymore um she'd left the the family home um and wasn't able to return when she became unwell um and found herself couch surfing and um asking friends and feeling like she didn't want to ask friends um anymore and and becoming more distant from from them, um, as she was trying desperately to get her life together, uh, but spiralling into depression, and eventually sought help from a counsellor who referred her to us. And by coming um, into us and finding a safe place, she was able to stabilise, recover, get her life back together start studying, um, and she's eventually moved out. Um, I'm not doing the story justice. It's, um, but it, it, it is a story that for many people it could be them. You know, we often hear that it, you're only ever three steps away from homelessness, um, loss of relationship, loss of job, uh, loss of an illness, and suddenly there you are. And, you know, I've had people close to me where that has happened and it's like, my gosh, you know, it could easily be me. That's that's an incredible – thank you for sharing that. That's an amazing story. What do you need at Servants? I mean, if you wanted to sort of put a call to action out there for how people could best be involved and imagine that you're speaking to a, a broad audience um, who may want to lend their support. Servants – needs the stories to be told for, for, for people to understand that um, our for us our model is really valid um, and it needs people to get behind um, us as an organisation um, to grow. Um, we are quite happy to have people come and visit and um, meet our residents to come and have a dinner with us because we 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 take a little bit of an advocacy role where we're trying to break down um, people's perception of of mental illness and help people realize that um, it's not necessarily um, the bad stories that you read in the paper. So we're we're more than happy to interact with people, have them come along, perhaps volunteer with us. Um, obviously, money is always a welcome gift, um, particularly as we're thinking about growth. And can people uh, uh, go to the website and donate online? Is that the best way to do it? Um, best way is probably to contact us. Sure. Um, 
we're pretty careful about putting our bank details online. Of course. Um, but we're very, as I said, really happy to engage with people one to one and have talks with them and bring them around and then see where we go from there. We've got, um, as a corp, if people are involved with corporate um, organisations, we love having working bees and so bringing people over, you know, 10 people to um, do a blitz on a house is um, a, a great gift and I know it's boring cleaning windows but... No, it's excellent you know, team building. Yeah, that's right. Um, we don't have a lot of money to throw around and, you know, we really do live off the smell of an oily rag and so any sort of volunteer extra work that we can get, um, we've had people come in and do um, financial counselling with some of our people. So they're qualified. We've had people volunteer as lawyers. We've had um, all sorts of professions come in just to, you know, they recognise, oh, maybe, you know, my my area of, of expertise could be beneficial to uh, to some of the residents or to us. So very happy to engage with people and talk. Um, and I like that you have a very open door policy in, in terms of bringing people in. And um, even in your website copy, you make it pretty clear that you're very flexible. Um, mm. You will, um, you, you want to welcome people in to help in whatever way they can. And that's really nice because mm. I think a lot of charities are becoming sort of less flexible with that kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I know there's a, a lot of um, rules and regulations around having volunteers um, and it, it it is hard, but you know that's we are a community organisation, and we're definitely um, relationship based, and we do a lot of work, you know, with people um, and connections, and it it all it's it's worth doing. Now, let me ask you the well-being question um, and what you do, and, and you referred to it earlier when you talked a bit about work-life balance. But how do you? How does one kind of look after self or manage self in that space where you really are in the thick of it all the time, so to speak? Mm. Um, it's a difficult thing to manage, particularly for housekeepers that are living on site. Um, and if now, even though I'm not on site anymore, um, it's always there, always there. And at any time you can get a call because there's something disastrous has happened. Um, for me, there's two ways that I manage this area. Um, you know, I mentioned before that I, I've started with through Hawthorne West Baptist Church. Um, more recently, I've found a little community church in my area that um, is just a place that I can go and reflect and be quiet. Um, it's very relational based and, and the people are awesome. So that's an added bonus, but um, it, I just find that um, I just, when I'm sitting there, I'm just finding myself reflecting back on work and, and just being reminded of, of that purpose and why I'm there and that, um, you know, walk out recharged Um and yeah, and that's just been a fairly new thing. Um, that's fairly, it's become quite important for me. And then the other thing that I've been doing for years is swim. So I swim three times a week. Um, just recently upped it to four, and I find that it's. I know it, you're supposed to not think about work when you're doing these <laughs> things, but. Um, you know, you're going around over and over, your arms are swinging around, you're following the black line and sure I'm with a squad and I'm supposed, you know, I'm trying to go as fast as I possibly can but um, often I find that I've slowed down because I'm thinking about an issue, a work issue um, But and, you know, but I'll, I'll find um, a solution will drop into my head sometimes when I'm, you know, just pounding away in the pool um, but then when I am going fast or trying to go fast, I find that I'm forgetting about it. And it's just great. Get out of, out of the pool every morning and think, feel better. Go and have the coffee, recharge, ready for the day. I love it. Yeah. Get out of your own head a bit as well. Yeah, that's right. So what is um, coming up next for servants? Do you have anything uh, in the pipeline that you're working on that's a bit different or anything you're particularly excited about that you want to share? 
We've got um, always new things coming along. We are going to we're run in the De Castella Run, um, in which is on the Q Boulevard. So we're organising residents and then anyone else that wants to come with us to do this walk or run um, just as a community event. We're not fundraising for us or anything like that. Um, we are probably our big project, which I don't know if it's going to get off the ground, but um, we have a women's house and it's got six women in it um, plus our live-in housekeeper. So it's got seven bedrooms and we would love to be able to put in a, um, a bungalow or a tiny house um, on the property. So take, get rid of the old garage, put on um, uh, this extra room somehow so that we can shift our housekeeper into the into the tiny house and give her um, a little bit of space, privacy, um, so that she can, you know, rejuvenate every night. Um, you know, there's quite a few hurdles, particularly around planning and council, and we're just working through that one. But um, I would love to be able to give um, another woman a room in that house because we've been able to get this other extra area one. So that's the next, That's the big project at the moment. That's yeah. very exciting. Mm. Very exciting. And so how can people connect with you and also servants online and um, learn more about your work? So uh, our website, um, servants.org.au, that will um, give all of the information about connecting with me um, I think my phone number's there. I You're very certainly, easy to reach. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, the um, connect through email, anything like that. So the website's the best best way. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in and um, sharing your, your wisdom experience and um, your compassionate thoughts with me. Thank you. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes. Why not share the podcast with your networks? After all, 62% of our subscribers come from word-of-mouth recommendations and social shares. You could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the iTunes store. If you love what we do each week and want to support the show, you should join our growing community of Patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor. To learn more about all of that, just head to humansofpurpose.com.